Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans all around the state, wherever you get your podcasts and on the Backchat YouTube channel. Welcome to today's edition of Around the Waffle. We're reviewing round two and the aftermath after the second round of WAFL footy. Before we begin with the formalities, I would like to take this moment to first of all thank all our guest hosts that have uh, come along and helped us out on Around the Waffle over the first couple of weeks. Uh, Andrew Henryon, uh, Keegan Knott from the West Perth Football Club, Mark Reddings, and also uh, Dean Margetts umpiring aficionado and more recently Tyson Beattie because our regular co-host who we announced earlier in the season is making his debut today. Joining me today to review <laughs> round two, the one, the only, Taylor Cowper who joins Hello, us Paul. today. Hello. How are you? Going well. It's just like old times. Well, I was actually saying to someone the other day, it's really interesting for me to do this because I think I gave you your first shot on FM radio, I think. Yes, you did. So you were in as the work experience kid at the station <laughs> that I was working at at the time and you, you, it's great to see you go on the journey that you've been on and you, you're a fantastic caller of local footy and also hopefully you can go further one day and I have no doubt that you will but it's been an exciting journey and, and this just brings us back together. I'm Certainly quite does. excited for this. It brings it full circle. It does. Really, really good. It's really exciting. Eight years is a long time, hey, but I tell you what, speaking of exciting, it's going to be a big show, make no mistake about that. We'll be reviewing all the five games in round two. The Around the Waffle Player of the Year votes will be cast and also some of the big news coming out of the second round. You can listen to us on wherever you get your podcasts or you can watch us on the Backchat YouTube channel. And we've got our socials in full swing. You can like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search around the waffle and give us a big thumbs up. First of all, Taylor, what stood out for you in round two of, well, uh, of the WAFL season? I just want to give a quick shout-out to all the people that, that filled in in the, the, the first couple of episodes of, of this podcast. Uh, Tyson Beatty, I've worked with a lot. We actually used to commentate the Wildcats together. Yes. And the only reason I'm wearing a jacket today is because I saw, I watched the episode that you had skied on. Yep. Obviously, I used to work at Seven West Media as well, so I'm just upping him one, I think. <laughs> so I, no, I noticed last week that he just wore the uh, the white shirt, so I thought I'd put the jacket on today. But what caught my det- my attention in the waffle this round, and I'll be honest with you, I've only watched the, the mini games because I've just got off a flight to Fiji, so I missed the whole round, but I've watched the mini uh, the mini, mini games of them through the app. Yep. The one thing I will say is just the Eagles. That's the one thing that we need to talk about today. Obviously went up to Pennanet Stadium yep. on Saturday and did, did they actually get out of there safe? I, I don't know what the situation was, but um, I know we're going to delve into that a bit, but that's the only real headline that comes from the weekend of Waffle Footy was just what is going on there? What is happening with the Eagles? And is there an answer to what they're going through at the moment. I want to discuss that with you today. Well, especially with uh, the injuries that have been going on yeah. on the AFL side and now with the uh, WAFL side with Elijah Hewitt pulling up yeah. uh, sore in the early seconds of the game. We'll speak more about that in just a little bit. My standout was East Perth. I mean, East Perth, they made a statement against Subiaco. There's something about this Royal side under Ross McQueen that gives us the early impression that East Perth are possibly going to be a threat for the five with the players they've got. Well, also, the, the, the thing around East Perth is that they're now 2-2. Two and two. They won round one as well. They sit, I think, third on the waffle ladder at the moment. I'm sure we'll go through the ladder in a bit more depth in a little bit more time. But 
Yeah, no, they, if you ask them at the start of season two and two, would you take that? Of course they would. I think they would probably take one and two as well. But yeah, no, East Perth uh, beating Subiaco. I love going to those games at Leaderville Oval between the co-tenants. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, great start for them. They really did make a statement, like you said, and I'm excited to see how they go for the rest of the year. But just because I'm still catching up, I've been listening to all the podcasts. There's one thing, and I promise it's the only uh, the, the only knife I'm going to stick in your back a little bit oh, is... No. How with Muppet, when you had Muppet on co-hosting this podcast, how on earth did you say that Claremont's not going to f- finish in the top five? Oh, you especially, had to. Especially <laughs> with South Fremantle starting the season two games below everyone else. How, how do you feel about that now? And would you change... I know you can't change it, and yeah. I know you're the man who wouldn't change his tips, <laughs> but if you could, would you? No, I'd stand by them. Okay. I'd stand by them. You've got to be sticking to your word. And how I feel about it now, to be honest with you, I feel like a, better, a bigger ham than I already am. <laughs> that, that's, that's brutal honesty. Yes. But no, the question is, would you have changed it if you retrospectively? I think so. But you're going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with them. Okay, I, I respect I, in that. retrospect, I would change it because, <laughs> you know, the, the negative eight could be a huge difference for South Fremantle come the final rounds of the seas, uh, round of the season when they have a spot on the five on the line, let's say with three rounds to go, the critical time of the season to make a statement before finals. And Claremont, you know, I said that they miss, that, that they would miss the five because, you know, those grand finals and those opportunities they had to win a premiership, there must be something going on off the field or there's a missing link on the field that's not getting the job done yeah. in finals. During the regular season, they are a great side, powerful side. But when it comes to finals time, they're a little bit suspect. And we've seen that over the last couple of years. But also, in the case last year, their campaign came unglued in round 19 when they got beat by East Fremantle at home, a ground where they're hard to beat on. And the other thing that's interesting, you talk about Claremont. They played South Fremantle. We'll get into that game soon. But the interesting thing with South Fremantle is they're going to struggle this year. Obviously, starting eight points behind. But they've lost four waffle superstars oh, yeah. this year as well so that's just going to hurt them even more I don't think they're going to be playing finals footy this year I think that eight points plus losing some really stalwart talents to them is going to be tough to, to just claw their way back as the season goes on but I, I was surprised that you said Claymont aren't going to be in the top five I think I'll probably bring it up as the year goes on just to kind of uh, annoy you a little bit I'm going to be in a lot of trouble I'm going to be in so much trouble come September if Claremont make the five I'm not going to hear the end of it <laughs> no you're not well this is our round two review on Around the Waffle Paul Persick and Taylor Cowper well, another big story that has been floating around, Taylor, has been the chances of Jack Buller on the subject of Claremont getting drafted in the mid-season draft. What a game he yeah. had against South Fremantle on Saturday. A 10-minute burst in the first quarter, three goals, but also his influence around the ground was huge in the game. And I reckon a lot of AFL clubs should have him on their radar. Well, this is so four goals he finished off the game with. 22 disposals as well. Uh, sorry, 22 kicks, I believe 22 it was. 22 kicks, yes. Uh, I think it was four or five handballs from memory. Correct. He, he played a fantastic game from what I saw on the highlights. And and I think AFL clubs should be looking at him. I think he's a, he's a, he's going to be a star. He's gonna, He's got a lot of talent. And especially with some of the delivery that Claremont have got in their midfield into their forward 50, it's going to really help him if he's going to get looked at by some of these AFL teams. So we're really, really excited. I, I, I'm excited. Actually, I'll be honest, haven't seen him play live yet. Really excited to to get out and see how he plays with the Tigers. But if you're not an AFL club, especially one of the two local ones in the Frio and the Eagles, and you're not looking at him, 
especially Frio, it could really help their forward line at the moment. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity to have a look at. If he continues his season the way it's been going as it started, I think he's going to be someone that the AFL clubs are definitely going to be looking at. To add to that, 14 marks he took in that game on Saturday. So his prowess in the marking department of his game is so good. But also, he's very clean at taking the footy below his knees and at ground level and can play as a bit of a pinch hitter ruckman as well. Mm. So... He's got the versatility and he's got the impact around the ground, which is valuable for all AFL clubs in the modern game. 100% it is. If you look at, if we're talking about our local teams, you look at Fremantle with the Jackson and Darcy thing that their combination that they're trying to get going, he could help a whole stack of teams as, a, as that forward player that can come up, but also a big bodied player as well. I know if we're talking about local waffle footy, uh, it's not a Jonathan Mars like player. But I was listening to one of the podcasts that we were on. I know John O'Mas comes back in this week for East Fremantle. But one of those players that can go into the midfield, big-bodied, and just kind of bully his way through to help a side out when they are struggling a bit in the midfield. If they're down by a lot, he can push up forward and also try and get the goal as well. So I'd love to see him do that a little bit more throughout the year for Claremont. But no, he, he could totally work as that tandem uh, kind of ruckman in an, in an AFL side. And for on sure. the other side of the coin for the West Coast Eagles, they just need someone that's going to be match fit across the season 100%. because they've had an injury riddled season again, and we're only like four or five rounds yeah. into the AFL and two rounds into the waffle. The, the Eagles hit with injuries all around the ground. And if the Eagles pick him up, he's 200 centimetres yep. and nearly about 100 kilos, big bodied forward, and can play a little bit in ruck and defence. They would need someone like him as well, just to fit, just to, you know, have the Eagles a, a better bill of, bill of health. Well, 100%, and, and, and we're going to talk about it today. Mm. But there's, there was the chance, or there is a chance, we'll, uh, we'll come to that a little bit later, that the Eagles have put a, a request in to get the game postponed against Eastern Mantle this weekend. Um, whether that happens or not, we'll talk about that soon. But the thing is, that's a sort of play that can help them with that. And that's why this game's looking at being postponed, or that's why the Eagles have put a request in to do it, because they just don't have bodies on the field at the moment. Well, speaking of the Eagles, 169 points, the margin at the hands of West Perth in Joondalup in round two. They had Elijah Hewitt, who was a prize recruit, yep. a recruit for the Eagles, limped off in the opening seconds of the game with ankle problems, and already missing several Eagles stars. That could have been you know, a big hand for the Eagles side in the waffle, and it's raised questions about the game against East Fremantle, like you said, but yep. also the model. I mean, Mark Redding's put out put out a very good point on the shoulder footy cast yesterday. Fans don't want the Eagles to be too strong. And at the same time, they don't yeah. want them to be too weak. It was a very good point that Skeet made. And that's all about the model of the Eagles side and the WAFL that's being questioned at this time. I, I read that quote from Skeet and I found it really interesting. And I've actually been thinking about this all morning about the Eagles. And you look at every other AFL club and I know they've, uh, sorry, Waffle Club. And I know they've tried the real, the, the alignment I know it's working really, really well with uh, with Peel at the moment yep. and, and Fremantle alignments there. But I think that's more of a partnership. Peel understand the role that they play. They've embraced it and they've got some really great young locals in that Peel Thunder side. The West Coast Eagles, they've tried it. They tried it with Claremont years ago. They've tried it at East Perth. They went back. They've gone back to East Perth and now they've got their own reserve side. The one thing that kind of concerns me is I'm massive on culture and a massive on building a strong side with personnel. Now, there's no question that the AFL side, the Eagles, uh, have great culture, and they've got great leadership. Trevor Nisbet, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of administrators, is one of the best in the country in any sort of sport. But my concern is a waffle team has a CEO, 
They have a footy uh, head of footy. Cool. They have obviously captains and coaches and all that kind of stuff. But the CEO and your staff, I think, need to be really strong. And most waffle clubs have got that. They've just done that really, really well. So with the Eagles, the one thing that concerns me is is culture. You don't have someone who's there that's making decisions like you would have with another uh, waffle club in, in terms of a CEO position. You don't have people that are involved in a volunteer level that are really, really excited about footy and want to get along to every game and do all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if there's marketing that the Eagles can do to promote this waffle side better. That logo, the West Coast Eagles logo is so strong. Mm, Can they push that out to their membership base a little bit and try and get people to come and see the next stars come through in waffle footy and all that kind of stuff? But my big one is that that culture. Mm. Do they have people that when they put on that jumper, like you've got with East Fremantle, what you've got with South Fremantle, you look at the boys at West Perth, they love wearing that jumper. Are these guys playing just to play footy or are they playing for something greater? That's the one question I've got for the Eagles at the moment. With that in mind, would there need to be a review from within as far as the Eagles waffle side? Because each waffle side has their own identity. I think West Coast, given that they're an affiliate for their AFL higher ups, Mm. don't have that. They need to have their own identity. Look at 2019 when they started. They made the five, got yep. through to semi-finals. They had their own identity. They're starting to lose that with those points and, that you mentioned. And I think backing on what Skeet said yesterday, are the Eagles taking the competition, the waffle competition, seriously enough? I don't think so. Obviously, AFL is what they play for, and I have no problems with that at all. I think that's really, really important that they, they try to do the best that they possibly can. But we still need to be making sure the waffle competition is strong. All the waffle sides, all of them, Peel Thunder included, their goal is to win a premiership. That's right. The Eagles' goal, I would question. Actually, I'll say the Eagles' goal is not to win a premiership in the waffle. That's a big call, but I'm with you there. I mean, their goal at the moment is to try and get so many players and playing at AFL level. That. Nothing from wrong with that. From an AFL all. point of view, I completely understand and completely get that. But from a waffle point of view, from a waffle fan's point of view, I can understand how that upsets them. Well, there'll be a lot of uh, people discussing about this on both sides of the fence come the rest of the season Mm. after what had happened in round two. Now, uh, six rounds of the Waffle W has come and gone as well. The competition there has been very open. And the final four anomaly over the last couple of seasons has sort of been broken. We've seen sides like South Fremantle be a threat for the four. West Perth starting at two and three after six rounds. They've got some good players there. But the more things change, the more they stay the same, TC. Claremont on top. They are the side to beat in their mission for back-to-back premierships. Yeah, I was at the grand final last year. I think, did you call the grand final there last year? I did the Rogers Cup and the Waffle Reserves before. It was great for women's footy. It was great to go, well, great for local footy. Just to go along to Claremont Oval and see that grand final. Obviously, as a Sharks man, it was a little bit disappointing to see the Sharks not get up in that grand final. They blew a perfect season. They did. After winning every single game uh, throughout the season to lose that grand final, it was was tough. But it's good to see people getting behind women's footy. It's a great... um, um, it's a great product. I would just recommend everyone, if you get the chance to go down there and watch some women's footy, do it. Because um, it, it, the, the cool thing about it is, and that, that grand final at Claremont was sold out. You couldn't oh, get in there. Unbelievable. You could not move. I'm glad COVID wasn't around then. Thank God. But the thing is, you, there's just young girls watching these guys so footy. And the thing that I love is is you've got young girls that are wearing netball skirts with a footy, a footy jumper on top. I reckon that's really, really cool. It's a great advocate for the game. But also the skill and the standard, especially in the last couple of years, is getting better and better. And we're seeing players that are really showcasing their skills at their best, no matter what the club. You know, for example, Matilda uh, Sargent and Madeline Scanlon at Claremont, uh, Kat Bennett, the West Perth co-captain, Wong and Gomes from East Fremantle, all dynamic combinations. And also 
also Taylor Edwards on Sunday for yep. Swan Districts as well. She really arrived as a big-time player with her game against West Perth uh, on Sunday. And and the good thing about women's footy is it can only get only get better from here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is our round two review. That is all the news coming out of the second round of WAFL. Paul Persick and Taylor Cowper with you on Around the Waffle. All right, let's get into the five games, TC, and... Uh, I guess if you're a West Coast fan, the less said about it, the better. Uh, 34-13, 217 West Perth, winning by 169 points. They needed to eradicate that loss in round one to Claremont in a big way. And yeah, must have been easy against the West Coast Eagles, but they really had to uh, put their boots on and kick away. Well, we've spoken about the Eagles enough already, I think. <laughs> West Perth, great by them. What, what was it? Tyler Keitel, 10 goals. Unbelievable. A bag from him. I think Mitch Dobson got eight as well. He did. So 18 between the two. That was fantastic. 34-13, 217. I remember remember the Western Front days. Oh, how good. Goss and Lockie Reed. Yeah, used to see all the time a team just absolutely getting smashed by that. But no, it's it's, uh, great for West Perth. I think for them to go back to back, I think it's going to be fantastic if they can. I think it was 1942. I think 41-42. Was, was the last time that West Perth went back-to-back. So I reckon with performances like that, just keep getting games into those guys. There's a lot of players in that West Perth side that are that, are that 60-70 game bracket. So they're ready to go. I think they're going to go back-to-back this year. That that was a fantastic game, the Joondalup Massacre. Absolutely, and that, that ground's still being cordoned off as we speak <laughs> as a result of that game. But the experienced players also standing up too. Aaron Black with 25 touches. Luke Meadows, the Simpson medalist, 29. Ben Johnson, who's coming to his own as a, as a key West Perth on baller, 24. And Shane Nelson. He was a bit up and down against Claremont in round one, but to 38 touches, back into prime form. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and, and, and just... Like, if you're just looking purely at the stats, they just ran all over the Eagles, didn't they? Oh, yeah. You just look at disposals itself, 415 disposals uh, to 263. Oof. So almost 80 more disposals. The kicks, that they had 270 to, 100, uh, to 164. So they just they just smashed it. The interesting thing, though, the hitouts, the Eagles won that pretty comfortably by 10, so 47 to 37. So just hadn't didn't have the use around the ball that they would have hoped. West, Coast, uh, West Perth, they were just more ruthless mm. around the footy. They, exert, uh, they exerted more pressure on the ball than the Eagles, but also they had more weapons up forward. And after all of that, it's West Perth's first score of 200-plus since round 21, way back in 1998 against Perth. Really? It's a long time. Didn't know that. Well, you do now. You yeah, learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> but what about this game over at uh, Bassendine? This one was right down to the wire. Swan Districts east from Andal. Of course, both teams were defeated in round one, but they needed a big game like that. Mm. While goals were at a premium, it was a battle of the midfields. And in the end, it was guys like Milan Murdoch who made a big difference for East from Andal. Milan Murdoch and, who I reckon has well and truly arrived as a key shark, Harrison Marsh, who's yeah. come from Subiaco at the start of the season. Well, as like I said, haven't seen Harry Marsh play yet um, for, for the Sharks. Uh, obviously came over to play with his brother Jono yeah, they haven't played together yet uh, Jono I'm pretty sure two game suspension two so he'll game. be back this weekend yep. but always a tough task to go up to Bassadine Oval and play the Swans there especially that can bar there oh. it's scary stuff that it is and that's like having an extra person on the ground it, 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 it is so scary that can bar and they fully get my sorry just my phone drops <laughs> on the can <laughs> um, so but yeah no um, the Sharks midfield that, they're fantastic they like I said 40 50 game players in there that are playing really really well it was 150 games to Cameron Erdley Erdley uh, the school teacher so he he uh, you know he's been around for a very very long time they're just led 
from so well from the back by Matty Jarp. But um, yeah, they'll 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 like like we've got in our notes here, Paul. They struggled a bit up forward. The uh, East Freo that will change a bit this week, having John Marsh back into the side. I think, hopefully, he's worked on his anger management a little bit throughout the off season. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a, he needs a bit of help there. But no, nah, looking forward to having him having him back in the side, and looking forward to seeing how he goes for East Freo for season twenty twenty three. It will be a big season for him. And he's one of the most the explosive forwards in a good way in season in the in the WFL competition. Now you're going to find this. Uh, uh, this will be interesting, and I hope there's some Sharks supporters that know me that uh, take this the right way. I was surprised to see them sign on Bill Monaghan for another two years. Okay. I think Bill's a great coach. I think Bill's a great person, but I just I found it year I found it unusual that at the start of the season that they've essentially given him another three years. So two years onto the year that he's got this year. Yeah. Um, I thought they would have hold off on that a little bit, maybe to halfway through the years to see how he goes through this season. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a coach that, that's fighting for his role in a sense, but I'm glad that he's there. I'm glad they've got him locked away. I'm just surprised that the, the, the board and the CEO there jumped. The timing of it, yeah. yeah. Beginning of the season rather than either at the end of the se- at the, in the midway point of the season yeah. when they're well and truly on the rise or at the end of the season when they're still evaluating their yeah, options for 2024. But the board still have made a good decision either and, way and you know the extending thing is, the contract. I'm going to cop this now because you know who the chairman of the board there is. Hmm. It's my father-in-law. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cop it big time. <laughs> but I disagree. I, I don't think they should have made that decision. But that's, that's okay. I think they should have just waited at least maybe four or five rounds. But uh, I like Bill. I think he's a great coach. But we'll see how he goes. Attention to detail. Always a key for <laughs> Billy Monaghan, the way he studies the opposition. Yes. Milan Murdoch's game, in particular against Swan Districts, was great. But I reckon what won it for them, not just the midfield, was those pillars down back. Cam Erdley yeah. and Matty Jupp. Seven marks for Erdley, eight for, Ma- eight for Jupp. Simply outstanding, holding the Swan Districts forward line to absolutely nothing. Even when Swans were starting to catch up because they did miss a few chances, but they got back into the game. Juppy, I, I love Juppy. I think Juppy's the probably up there and one of the best captains in the waffle. I think he just loves his club. He loves putting on that jersey every single week. He loves playing for East Frio. And he's just such a great player. Played his first state game last year. Loved it. Um, yeah. Hey, if, if you want any player, I reckon you're picking Matthew Jupp. First, second, or third in any team. I yeah, if you don't pick him in the state team, then there's something wrong yeah. as far as selection is concerned. Yep. Now, third game over at Revo Fitness Stadium, TC, Claremont and South Fremantle. This one was the match of the round, but it was Claremont that was ruthless mm. uh, all throughout the day. They held South Fremantle to two goals. But look, the, just the way they finished, just the way they finished, they could have been about 10 goals in front, 10 goals, 16. And while it's a good win and they had 25 more inside 50s, doesn't really say much at this time. Not massively. Um it was an interesting game because the other thing that I found interesting, you've, well, you've got in our notes, it's the Tigers' 100th waffle win. 1,000th win. 1,000th win. 100th. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been around for the best part of a century. <laughs> but um, the thing that I found really interesting is that they only had two goals in the second half, mm. um, Claremont, which is for a side that's got such a dominant midfield, uh, a player that scored a bag, to only get two goals in, in, in a half of footy, I, I find really, really interesting. Um yeah, Buller got the 22 kicks, four goals, fantastic overhead mark. We spoke about him at the start of this podcast. But yeah, I, I just, I wonder, what do you think about that? Only kicking the two goals in the in the half? Well, while it's not very convincing to some, 
But I have to say it's a credit to their back line because at the same time, they held South Fremantle to only two goals in that half as well. They only finished with 4-4. So the back line, as far as players like Mountford and even even uh, Tia Miles as well, wearing the number six, he also made a big statement in midfield and further up the ground. He's going to be a huge gun for the Tigers. And also a couple of the forwards that were really suspect really have to lift their game in a big, big way for their clash with Subiaco, which is going to be a big, big game. Yeah, 100%. It'll be an interesting one to see how that one plays out. I'm just looking at the goal scorers now for, for South Fremantle. So there's only three of them. So, yeah, they, they, they did struggle. They're going to struggle throughout the rest of the season, I think, South. Yeah, Brendan Donaldson, of course, uh, he didn't have a, his best 100th game, obviously. He was a bit hampered by the uh, the lack of delivery that uh, the South Fremantle midfielders gave to him in that forward 50, and that's something they're going to have to work on. Like mm. you said, we've got four re- players retired Massive. from South Fremantle, huge stars yeah. for the Bulldogs, but you've still got a young, lo- a young core out there that is fit and firing, hungry and ready to go, you know, and that's why I still think they'll finish in the top two, despite the negative eight start that they had because of the preseason breach, because of the young contingent of players mm. out there that are hungry and I reckon will fit well under Todd Curley's system. You're, you're much, um, I was going to say smarter than me. I don't know if that makes me look very good, but <laughs> you're, you, you've got more knowledge about waffle footy, I reckon, than, than I do, Paul. But out of those four that lost, Sloyth, Subin, all those guys, how, much, how many games roughly would they have lost? Well, they lost about... 1,000, this is only my rough estimation, 1,000 games of waffle experience. And that's a huge amount to lose in just one season. Especially when there's some teams that that don't even have half of that. That's right. An experience. So, yeah, it's it's huge. So, yeah, they're going to struggle this year, South Fremantle. Love to see them come back. As an East Fremantle supporter, I'm pretty excited about the derbies (laughs) coming up soon because, yeah, I think it's 14 or 15 now we're up to where we haven't won. So, yeah. yeah, we might see it. This year, hopefully. <laughs> well, they'll have to wait till WA Day, maybe at the Wacker later this season. Uh, Peel Thunder and Perth, this one was not pretty over at Lane Group Stadium. 10-17 to 1-6. And first of all, I'll have to say, the criticism warranted Peter German after only two rounds is completely Yeah, I found that interesting. New coaching, new system. Yeah. It's going to take time. Even Peter German said himself pre-season that this is going to be a long-term project for the Perth Football Club to get back up the, up, uh, the top end of the WAFL ladder. Yeah, it's interesting because we, we spoke about the Eagles struggling. Um, when, when do Eagles and Perth play? Well, they don't play until uh, round five or six, from what I can recall. I'll so have to double-check that. I'll, I'll look that up when we're talking next time. But that, that even that's interesting, because we're, we're putting so much criticism on the West Coast Eagles. I know Perth are through this redevelopment... Uh, oh, sorry, the, the rebuild. But they've been through a rebuild for what seems like half a century. Yeah, it feels <laughs> um, like an eternity. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's an interesting one. We, we talk about we need a competitive waffle. But if we look through the history of the waffle, there's always been sides that are struggling like the way Perth and, and the West Coast Eagles are now. Um, I was listening to Glenn Jakovic yesterday on radio and he was talking about how um, South Fremantle, I think it was in 1983, won the first three games of the season and then didn't win a game for the rest of the year. That's right. So this stuff happens all the time. I'm excited to watch Perth play purely because of what they've put in place off-field. The talent, the AFL talent that they've brought in in terms of coaches and off-field uh, personnel, I think, is huge. And I'm excited to see how that plays out. But you've got to give them time. Absolutely. It's a long-term thing. And Peter German, what he did with Subiaco, took He's him a, a long time. Coach. Tremendous coach. Brought Subiaco back to the prominence, back-to-back premierships, including a grand final in 2003. Peter German can do it. He can do it as a coach. He's got great detail. Yep. He knows how to get the best out of his players. Give him some time. We're only two rounds in. But if you look at it, 10, 17, 77, 
Pure Thunder could have won a lot more by a lot more than that. Exactly. So I didn't watch this game. Like I said, I've watched some highlights of it. The pressure was kind of there from the Eagle, uh, from Perth. Like, yeah. It wasn't great, but you can see what they're trying to do. And, and I, I, like I said, it's going to be a long process. It's going to be a long time before they're really, really they're going on all eight cylinders. But I think they'll eventually get there. But it will be an exciting journey. It will be a long journey. It will. But mm. as for Peel Thunder, well, two wins in a row, both at home. And I'll tell you what, despite their goal-kicking efficiencies, 10-17, there was one player who I reckon could be not only a consistent weapon up forward, but maybe on the Dockers' radar because he obviously got drafted by yep. the Dockers last season in the mid-season draft. And maybe... They could give the, he could give that spark that the Dockers forward line needs. Sebat Kuek, four goals, one from 14 kicks and seven great marks in the forward line. Yeah. He's going to be very handy for the well, Thunder. Yeah, no, so you look at, uh, obviously, uh, I was actually in um, watching the Dockers game. I was in Melbourne whilst I was watching it on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, they need some help up forward, Frio. They so they will be looking at that. I think if he can come in and not skip a beat and kind of do what he's doing at Peel Thunder, I think that'll be a great inclusion for Frio. Um, and it's exactly what it's exactly what we're talking about with the Eagles. You get that alignment, you get that partnership working well, um, and you get these players to play great footy in their in their in in a Peel system that does have those locals that are there, that they do have their passion, they do have a great uh, a great group around the club, just not only on field with staff and all that kind of stuff, but you go down there, there's energy um, when you go down to Peel Thunder's home games. There's volunteers, there's all that kind of stuff that's happening. I think you need that at local Absolutely. footy. Absolutely. And uh, these Dockers players come in, and, and it's I know that the I know that Frio is saying that they want their players to do this and do that and all that kind of stuff but they're not being it doesn't seem like they're being dictated to to do this they're still playing peel thunder footy they're doing all the things that they want to do they've got their own brand exactly right and i really like that but um yeah if he can come in and do that at freo um hopefully hopefully it will be a win for the dockers now despite the demons pressure football it was there like you said it wasn't great but one stat that told the story of this game was the inside 50s and that's where Peel Thunder's midfield was so damaging. Warner, 30. Bennell and uh, Ben Hancock, 21. Nathan Wilson with 20. But the inside 50s, 51. Peel Thunder, Perth, 28. Yeah, wow. That says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It really does. So hopefully, I'm sure that um, Peter will be looking at that through the week, trying to work out how they can how they can do better. What was um, round one, what were they looking like? I'm just they thinking. were looking pretty much similar. They were playing pressure football, but yep. they weren't afraid to take the ball at uh, either end of the ground, switch up the play, and open the flanks up, especially with the likes of Warner, Sam Sturd, who had a big burst up forward, kicked two goals in two minutes. They've got their weapons there. Again, it's going to be a matter of who's going to be available for Fremantle. It's like revolving doors. But like you said, Peel Thunder are playing that Peel Thunder brand of football. Yeah. I've got them just missing the five, but after two rounds, You've got everyone so far, missing so the five. You got everyone missing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they only lost by twenty-five points, Perth, in round one against Subiaco. They were competitive. So th- there's positives there. Well, speaking of Subiaco, they were playing catch-up football. This is the last game of round two. Six goals, four to one goal straight in the first quarter. Eight times out of ten, you're not going to come back from that. But East Perth, with their midfield in tandem, Schumacher, who was fantastic with 33 possessions. Mitchell Crowden is a big in for the Royals with 29. He had five marks and 11 tackles. And Tom North, in defence, doing a great job on the Lions forward line. The huge difference in what was a 23-point win over their co-tenants. Their first win since round six of 2020. This, this, is, oh, this is a great story. I'd love to see East Perth... 
back in the hunt this season. They've got some great players. Ross McQueen has got a great new system as coach, and they've got an exciting brand of footy that we haven't seen in about five or six years. No, it's really it's really exciting. Um, I love the I love I love these little. It's not a derby, but they're obviously the co-tenancy. Feels like it. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, I like it. I was uh, Zach Clark, forty-two hitouts. Massive. He was huge for Subiaco. Uh, that's one of the stats that kind of jumps off the sheet when you're reading it. Um, but yeah, no, fantastic game. Uh, obviously for East Perth, they've haven't had the best couple of years, but I think a huge win against their co-tenants at Leaderville Oval, I think, is huge. 17-10, 112-14-589. Yeah, played great footy. Um, the disposal count was interesting, pretty tight. Uh, only 40-odd disposals between the two leading uh, East Perth way. But, yeah, I think it'll be a really, really, really interesting to see how their, their season plays out, East Perth. Subiaco won from one. They reeled Perth in in round one when they were trailing by some 20-odd points. They trailed again by five goals this time. One early concern for Subiaco is how they start their first quarters, how they get into gear. Bo Wardman's a great coach, and he's got a lot of great yep. players, but they're getting in towards their, their last year or two. A lot of experienced players, Lee Kitchen in particular, but you've got a good uh, imbalance of young players like mm. Josh Robbins and uh, Drew Road, uh, also Taj Schofield, that are hungry to get that opportunity at the top level. bit like um, Frio, really, yeah. struggling in the first quarters. They only got one goal in the first quarter, and they kind of... They, well, they get six goals in the third quarter, but four in the second. So, yeah, they, they do struggle to start a little bit. So that would be one thing that they'd be trying to look to change this weekend. Uh, this weekend, who, do they, who they... I did just see... Well, East Perth have got on. Perth yeah. at Lath Lane under lights and uh, Subiaco have got Claremont. That's a big game over Yeah, it will be a huge weekend. I'm looking forward to preview it with you on Thursday. But, um, yeah, you're right. Subiaco need, a, need to get better at starting. I'm sure that that's something that they'll be looking at. They've got a great coach, great... Um, yeah, they're a great side. They're a great club, Subiaco, so I expect them to yeah, to do a bit better than that. We've got the Player of the Year votes coming yep. up shortly, but let's get to the five, the ladder after round two. Claremont on top, along with two other teams on eight points, Peel Thunder and East Perth. West Perth, Subiaco and East Fremantle are on fourth, but it's West Perth and uh, are on four points, I should say. But West Perth and Subiaco hold those spots on percentage. And then it is Swan Districts, Perth, West Coast, yet to have a win. And, of course, South Fremantle still on negative four after two rounds. This is Around the Waffle. Our round two review, Tyler Cowper and Paul Persick. All right, player of the year votes. Every week we mm. dish out a five, four, three, two, and one to determine the around the waffle player of the year for 2023. One vote, Taylor, goes to Carl Warner of Peel Thunder. Even though Peel weren't pretty in a lot of areas in their win over Perth, I thought Carl Warner's game was efficient, 30 disposals, but impactful everywhere across midfield, eight marks too. So a great yeah, game. Yeah, fantastic game by Carl. Uh, he, was he, you voted for him last week, didn't you? No. He wasn't in. So he first votes of the year. Good first on him. Votes. But yeah, no, fantastic game for Peel, obviously against Perth. So yeah, good to see him is uh, on, 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 the, on the leaderboard this week. Also on the leaderboard is Milan Murdoch from East Fremantle. He gets two votes, 34 disposals, but his physicality around the football, especially at the coal phase, yeah. was brilliant. 11 tackles in that win over the Yeah, M- Milan, he's one of those players. He loves getting in, in the middle of the pack. He's a great in inside midfield player. 
Um, so, yeah, great to see Milan on there too. Three votes. Tyler Keitel of <laughs> West Perth. Ten goals. In fact, here's another, another little uh, cheeky stat for you. The first player to kick ten goals wearing the number 37 for West Perth since another great Paul Mifka yeah, back wow. in 1995. There you go. Uh, no, how can you go past ten votes? I, I'm surprised as a West Perth fan, Paul, that you are. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not number five there, but I, I reckon he'd be happy with three votes. <laughs> number four, four votes. Jack Buller of Claremont. Yeah. I mean, his game dominant all around the ground. You just can't go past it. If you don't have him in your top five, then what's wrong with you? Yeah, we spoke about him at the start of the podcast, Paul. He he was fantastic. We reckon he's going to get a bit of AFL attention as the season goes on. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. Four goals for him. Yeah, you can't go past him. Four votes, four goals, but yep. also all around the ground. And the top gun... Did you gun, do that on purpose? Quickly? No, I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> uh, now, the around the waffle top gun for round two. Five votes goes to Tom North of East Perth. The job he did on the Subiaco forward line, shutting them out of the game in the first quarter and then getting on with the business, mm. just outstanding. 22 disposals and eight marks as well, all on that defensive half of the ground. Yeah, I, I think defence... Uh, well, is Will in here? Yeah. Yep, he's Defenders, over there. Yeah, no, they're really important, obviously. So, <laughs> <laughs> Defenders are so important, underrated sometimes. Uh, what was the Defenders... What do they do? What, what did you say on a pod... Yep, so defenders win premierships. And we've got one in here, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, five votes for him. Good to see, because uh, you come up with his top five, Paul, so it's good to see you put a defender there. You're just trying to keep the boss happy over there, aren't nah, you? No, <laughs> he's got a big smile on his face, but you know, spread it out, give all the areas of the ground the love they deserve, not just uh, the uh, the midfielders yeah. that uh, get all the votes these days. But uh, fantastic job by Tom North. He was fantastic. The leaderboard, now we have got all first-time voters in round two, uh, along with round one. So on one is Carl Warner and Aidan Clark, uh, tied on two votes is Jimmy Miller and Milan Murdoch. Three votes, Tyler Keitel and Jai Bolton. Four votes, Will Brody and Jack Buller. And five, Ben Sokol and Tom North. There you go. That's a leaderboard, and we're only two votes in. Well, or looking, two rounds in. Looking forward to seeing how, how it pans out throughout the rest of the season. Well, I'll put you on the hot seat, early hot seat. Who do you think is going to win it? Player of the year. Uh, oh, I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so you asked me in a couple of rounds. Um, <laughs> I will say... Um, a bit of news, uh, and I'll give you some more news in a little bit, but uh, Aiden Clark, so I know he's on our leaderboard there. He's going to miss two to three weeks yes. for Swan. So, um, yeah, he's, he went off for scans, got a hamstring industry. So, yeah, two to three weeks at a minimum. So don't expect him to score in the next two or three that's weeks a big on the lo- That's a loss for Swan District, especially when they've them. got a couple of big games coming up. Next, uh, this coming weekend against West Perth at Steel Blue Oval, who yeah. they beat in round 19 last year, he was prominent, and he, as one of their best inside midfielders, they're going to they're gonna have a, a massive hole in that midfield rotation, Swan Districts, come Sunday. 100%. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love um, Milan Murdoch's having a great couple of years for Eastern Mantle. I don't want to be too Eastern Mantle century, but it's what I've just lent back on because I haven't watched much Waffle Fitty. They don't have it in Fiji, unfortunately. Oh, that's I've a been, bummer. So I was struggling to get it, but uh, yeah, you, were no. on, you were on your honeymoon recently. Was, You'd gotten yeah. married uh, in the uh, in the two weeks uh, before you made your debut. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's why I wasn't here. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But um, yeah, no, just looking forward to seeing more Waffle Footy. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think there'll be a lot of players out there. It'll be tight, I reckon. It'll be tight. Yeah. Ah, same here. I reckon it's going to be a great season, very competitive, even uh, between around six or seven of the teams that can win, that can make the five yeah, yeah, yeah. and or win the flag, given how open the last couple of seasons Well, that's been. the thing as well. You've got to be winning footy to get on this leaderboard, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll, we'll say it. There's, it's, it, other than probably Perth and West Coast, it's going to be a real tight season, I reckon. South yeah. Fremantle will struggle. Does that mean the top five are set? 
No, I, still I way too no, early. Not at all. Way too early. Anything can happen yeah. in the WAFL, and it usually does. 100%. Well, thanks, Taylor, for uh, joining us. The first time this season. We so can't we're wait for a big season. Quickly, uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Yes. Um, we're expecting Tuesday night for some announcements to come about uh, this East Fremantle West Coast Eagle game. We've got pr- on pretty good authority that it's going to be going ahead. So I've mm-hmm. been speaking to some officials around that Um they had last year, the Eagles, obviously this happened with Ace Freo last year. I feel a bit sorry for them. Uh, that game got postponed. Yeah. Um, so this this year, that was because they didn't have three AFL-listed players on their side. That's right. Um, this year, I didn't even realise, and you told me, and I was speaking to someone else about it, that that rule's not in place this that's year. Correct. That was a COVID rule. Yep. Um, so this year, that's not in play. They've just, I feel sorry for the Eagles. They've just been depleted, but that game is going to be going ahead. Yep, and thank golly too. You yeah. know, you want to see a full round of footy because there was a lot of talk about if this game was going to be postponed or forfeited as well. Yeah. That uh, the Eagles would forfeit the game and that'll give East Fremantle an automatic four points. So there's been a lot of talk about that. But fingers crossed for football fans that want to see the game at Laugh Lane, the game's going to go ahead. Yep, and get ready to see. I reckon John O'Marsh is going to kick it back. Going to kick it back? That's Ten goals? Prediction. We'll talk about it on Thursday. <laughs> well, we look forward to it, mate. I'll see you then. See you then. Thanks, Paul. Now, to all our viewers and listeners, we thank you very much for joining us on our round two review of the WAFL. If you have any comments about the episode, whether it be on our podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, or on our YouTube channel, the Backchat YouTube channel is where we release our video version. Let us know in the comments below. Thursday, we're going to have a preview of round three. It's going to be another big round of WAFL footy. We look forward to your company then. We'll see you next time. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.